The sky grew gray and then almost white. The overhanging banks of clouds seemed to withdraw a little from the steaming earth. Haze that hung always among the mushroom forests and above the fungus hills grew more tenuous, and the slow, misty rain that dripped the whole night long ceased reluctantly. As far as the eye could see, a mad world stretched out, a world of insensate cruelties and strange, fierce maternal solicitudes. The insects of the night, the great moths, whose wings spread far and wide in the dimness, and the huge fireflies, four feet in length, whose beacons made the earth glow in their pale, weird light. The insects of the night had sought their hiding places. Now the creatures of the day ventured forth. A great ant hill towered a hundred feet in the air. Upon its gravel and boulder-strewn side a commotion became visible. The earth crumbled and fell into an invisible opening. Then a dark chasm appeared, and two slender thread-like antennae peered out. A warrior ant emerged and stood for an instant in the daylight, looking all about for signs of danger to the ant city. He was all of ten inches long, this ant, and his mandibles were fierce and strong. A second and third warrior came from the inside of the ant hill and ran with tiny clickings about the hillock, waving their antennae restlessly, searching, ever searching, for a menace to their city. They returned to the gateway from which they had made their appearance, evidently bearing reassuring messages because, shortly after they had re-entered the gateway of the ant city, a flood of black, ill-smelling workers poured out of the opening and dispersed upon their business. The clicking of their limbs and an occasional whining stridulation made an incessant sound as they scattered over the earth, foraging among the mushrooms and giant cabbages, among the rubbish heaps of the gigantic beehives and wasp colonies, and among the remains of the tragedies of the night for food for their city. The city of the ants had begun its daily toil, toil in which everyone shared without supervision or coercion. Deep in the recesses of the pyramid galleries were hollowed out and winding passages that led down a fathomless distance into the earth below. Somewhere in the maze of tunnels there was a royal apartment in which the queen ant reposed, waited upon by assiduous courtiers, fed by royal stewards, and combed and rubbed by the hands of her subjects and children. But even the huge monarch of the city had her constant and pressing duty of maternity. A dozen times the size of her largest loyal servant, she was no less bound by the unwritten but imperative laws of the city than they. From the time of waking to the time of rest, she was ordained to be the queen mother in the strictest and most literal sense of the word. For, at intervals, to be measured only in terms of minutes, she brought forth a single egg, perhaps three inches in length, which was instantly seized by one of her eager attendants and carried in haste to the municipal nursery. There it was placed in a tiny cell a foot or more in length, until a sack-shaped grub appeared, 
all soft white body, save for a tiny mouth. Then the nurses took it in charge and fed it with curious tender gestures, until it had waxed large and fat and slept the sleep of metamorphosis. When it emerged from its rudimentary cocoon, it took the places of its nurses until its soft skin had hardened into the horny armor of the workers and soldiers, and then it joined the throng of workers that poured out of the city at dawn to forage for food, to bring back its finds, and to share with the warriors and the nurses, the drone males and the young queens and all the other members of its community, their duties in the city itself. This was the life of the social insect, absolute devotion to the cause of its city, utter abnegation of self-interest for the sake of its fellows.